Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Hey, Mama. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. Have you ever doubted yourself? Have you ever questioned if you can be a mum, have a career, go for that job? I'm guessing that you have because, you know, we all experience guilt. We all experience uh, mindset blocks and challenges. So on today's podcast, I speak with a mindset coach. I speak with AJ, who is a mindset coach and also a business therapist who specializes in helping service-based business owners to show up authentically and grow a business and life they love by overcoming the mindset blocks that hold them back. She is best known for helping her clients to upgrade their mindset and grow their business using coaching and rapid transformation therapy to uncover the reasons behind their blocks rather than just addressing the symptoms. We go into so much during this and So get a pen, paper, or listen to this. Definitely when you've got, you know, just yourself around and and not too many distractions because it is quite a a full-on episode, but it's also really good. I'm sure I even, I've thought about this episode a number of weeks after I've recorded in terms of what has been the influences, why am I doing this, and a lot of questions around it. So definitely as well, reach out to AJ uh, if you're interested in more. And through this, this episode as well is brought to you by the Working Mama Village, a community and network to support working mums in managing the juggle with masterclasses, monthly expert talks, community resources, you name it. So jump on over, check out the Working Mama Village. So if you want to go deeper on these kind of topics, we've got masterclasses in the community there to support you. So without waiting any longer let's get into it welcome aj welcome to the working mama podcast how's your day going so far thanks karina i'm so excited to have this chat with you day's been pretty good yeah (laughs) it's very good very good so everyone that doesn't know you how would you best describe yourself and what's been your career journey so far i feel like you start with like the hardest question ever like i was like (laughs) How do I describe myself? Like literally the way I described myself earlier today was I'm really hard to categorize. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, you know, those like personality tests, like Enneagrams and Myers-Briggs and all the things, I'm always like really close to multiple categories, which is quite uncommon apparently. So yeah, I always think that's funny. How else would I describe myself? I am from New Zealand, if you can't hear the accent. And I've lived in Australia for over 10 years. And so I just say I get to have two homes and love both of them. I'm a mindset coach. I'm a rapid transformation hypnotherapist. So yes, I spend a lot of time hypnotizing people, which is fun. And I am really, really passionate about helping people to understand how their mind works because, which I'm sure we'll dive into, but yeah, I think really we just don't get taught some of the stuff that's really crucial to how we experience life. So yeah, that's, that's a topic I could talk about for hours and have been known to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I completely understand. And look, mindset, I think is, 
is so important and often the way we look at things like as mums and I've even just consciously this week gone why am I thinking that or why am I feeling and I realized it's because of the mindset that we have and and just sometimes just by switching it and you're just consciously switching it it's amazing how it can change your mood so why don't we just start off why is mindset sometimes our biggest strength but also conversely our biggest you know weakness the, the the super tricky thing about mindset beliefs thoughts all these things is that a it's really intangible so it's not like oh i've got a cut on my hand you that's not how you diagnose i just did air quotes on a podcast sorry yeah. <laughs> not super helpful but that's not how you tell if you're you know how's your mindset kind of thing so the thing that's with with beliefs and thoughts and feelings and emotions and all those things it, it it has such a huge impact on our day but and on our actions and that's the biggest thing that our beliefs are they live in our subconscious mind and they determine our thoughts which then determine how you feel and how you feel impacts the actions you take or don't take so we have all of this conditioning all of this like it's like a blueprint your beliefs but it lives in our subconscious so like you were saying Mm. oh consciously you were going oh why am I thinking this why am I feeling that and that's magic that you can do that that's amazing and that's what I really want everyone to learn that skill because but they all live in our subconscious and we're not we're not aware of most of them but they dictate literally everything we think feel and do so yeah kind of a big deal (laughs) yeah and what is it that you know sometimes obviously like everyone is different and we all have our own journeys so what is it that two people can be doing exactly the same thing but have such a different I guess view of themselves and even view of their outcomes as well yeah so our beliefs are predominantly formed in our first seven years of life and that does include pre-birth so we start to form these blueprints with a brain that's not fully developed and what it does is so basically your mind starts to lay down the base layer of a belief and it could be based on something super tiny like when i eat all my dinner everybody claps so there's a that's a positive connotation with eating all your food and if that gets reinforced with different ways, then your mind starts to go, okay, this is a fact. Anything that disputes this fact, I'm going to get rid of. It's not that important. We'll file that away in the subconscious. And then it keeps looking for information to back up that belief. That's kind of what your mind is doing. So if you have a belief that serves you, that's not a problem. That's cool. No worries. But if we think about a belief that doesn't serve you, then you know so i think you probably would have seen there's like lots of youtube videos and experiments of like when when a mum will come towards a child or if she doesn't engage when the when the child cries i can't even watch it like it makes me so upset that's forming a belief for the child about what happens when i cry or what happens when i'm angry or what happens when i'm happy and we start to form that belief but that goes through the whole of life with us Mm. so later like if you think about the you know eating all the food on your plate later if there's still a core belief that eating all the food on my plate gets me praise that's not a particularly bad thing 
you know, bad belief to have, but it can have such an impact. And that's how all of our beliefs work. So yeah, if there's a belief about body shape, because you overheard your mum saying something, I mean, how many of us have a memory of like, you know, what our mum said about her body that then we take on as like a fact and carry that throughout our life. So it can have, because we all have a different childhood, even with the same parents, every kid has a different childhood, right? So it can have such a huge impact on us all the way throughout our life if we don't learn to challenge those beliefs, because not all beliefs are bad, of course, but we all have beliefs that don't serve us. And I kind of liken it to being like, there's a seven-year-old driving your life. Like there's a seven-year-old in the driver's seat of your life. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound super safe to me. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say there's there's two elements that are like from that. The first one is like as a mum with my kids are two and four and a half at the time of recording this, it makes me really like a lot of pressure of like, oh, my goodness, what beliefs am I putting into them? But then also at the same time as someone that's a bit older than seven, what, you know, it's, you think back into what was I, you know, those, those first seven years and, and how do you yeah. at times recognize what is a good one and then what do you need to potentially undo when I guess there's a whole lot of the work that, that goes into that to retrain your subconscious as well. But first of all, from a, from a parent's perspective, what can we do to help create those positive beliefs and in our subconscious because I know there's a lot of elements even today I was chatting to someone about you know girls confidence starts going backwards at the age of six yeah partly because of some of those those messages that are out there in society and on magazines that she was explaining that you know girls magazines were all still about body image and and being a good person so to speak where boys ones is about career and very you know you can have everything so the messages they're getting at such a young age but if we're wanting to change some of that across society, you know, for the better good, what can we do as parents to try and change the tide a bit? The first thing is like, and I totally appreciate about the pressure and I'm always so mindful of what I say to parents because I've, I've like had my own friends when they've been pregnant and I'm like, oh, like when I, in my own work, I do regression therapy. So I go back into people's subconscious to find the root of a belief. And sometimes they go back to being in the womb. And so then my friends were like, but I've been swearing. And I'm like, <laughs> just like, you're not, you're not going to traumatize your kid from swearing at any stage of their life. But it's, it's like, the thing is, is self-compassion and kindness always, not pressure. I always say no one gets out of childhood unscathed. No one. No matter how amazing you are as a parent, like I have the best mum in the world. She still made mistakes. We all do like you you can't you're a human being right so the the big thing about beliefs is that if if one thing happens unless it's like a big traumatic event if one thing happens once that's not going to form a belief because no more evidence comes to back up that belief and your mind just files it away under irrelevant information for now it's when something happens repeatedly because our mind learns by repetition so that's true for our whole life So it's like, if you hear a song, you hear it once, you're probably not going to know the song. If you hear the song over and over again, like, you know, Frozen, then you're going to know it off by heart, probably better than you ever wanted to. 
So it's a similar thing with a belief. So if you say something to or around a child once or twice, that's not going to form this blueprint for them. If they're, you know, constantly, repeatedly receiving messages, like unfortunately young girls and women do about their body, for example, that's like the biggest, biggest kind of area is they will start to build that up into a belief. And the really tricky thing is that unless we question it, like you were saying, oh, why am I feeling this? Why am I thinking this? We accept all of our thoughts and beliefs as facts. Mm. And that's why they're so, they're so dangerous because it's like most of your beliefs and thoughts are not facts at all. They're just pieces of information and they're not necessarily true, but we don't, we don't know to question them. We don't know what they're there. So with parenting, like you just, you know, you're like looking at the clue. So if you're, if you're noticing your daughter saying things about her body or receiving messages about her body or, or dulling her shine or, or losing that confidence, it's, it's kind of offering like the, the counter counter beliefs on repetition. So with kids, it's often easier because we can see it in their actions. When we get the older, we get the harder it is to kind of see what the belief is underneath. So, but yeah, if you're noticing something with, yeah, with your kids it, to, to counter that rather than like, sometimes I think we can do the, yeah, that thing like, oh, I won't bring it up or I won't talk about it because I don't want to reinforce it, which I totally understand. But we want to, we want to give them something different and even things of like, you know, pointing out a billboard that's really different or pointing out a magazine that's a counter thing or even asking kids, like kids are so freaking smart, asking them, oh, like what, you know, what do you think about this picture? What is this picture telling you about your body? Kids will be interpreting something and making a meaning about it because that's what we do as humans. So, yeah, you, you're not going <laughs> to, I promise you're not going to screw up your kids. Don't, don't have that pressure. But even just knowing little things, like one of my clients, she was working with me on body stuff. And then she sent me a message a couple of months ago and she'd gone to Queensland on a holiday. And by overcoming this belief that she had about her body, she sent me this message and she was like going on the water slides with her two daughters. And that is, yeah, for me is like that, that will create such a powerful feeling memory for those girls that she was in her bathers and everyone was around and there wasn't any like, Oh, my body, this or my body that she was just having this beautiful, joyful present moment with them of going on the water slides. And yeah, like that's, that's my favorite thing to get messages like that because that gives me tingles. That's just, I I have to say that's so Um, heartwarming of just because by her changing her mindset and her beliefs in herself, and then I'm sure those kids would have been like, yes, mum's on the water slide and in her bathers and, oh, that's, sorry, that, yeah, that's amazing. No, that's like my, that's my thing, right? Like that's what I mean, that not only are we liberating her from, a belief that's completely BS, but also her two girls and like seeing their mum and doing that with their mum and feeling the joy from all of them and from dad watching on and like that is a much more powerful blueprint than 
other, you know, magazines or then mm. someone saying something different because they have this feeling memory of, but I, like, you can say whatever. I do this with my mum. That's much more powerful to them than the other messaging. And that will serve those girls for the rest of their lives. Oh, Not saying they won't get a lot of other stuff but yeah that that one feeling memory for them so powerful and it still brings all of us joy to think about as well it's yeah. just, it's so- and I guess it's you you can like you can completely resonate with that because even over summer at one point I was like with my kids I was like oh, I don't want to wear this and I was like oh but and I was like the next time I went to the beach I was like no I'm slightly changing my bikini it was also going to be cold but and I was like no I need to be there active just talk me through what in, even in that situation so even as working mums, because we get, you know, put into like good enough and we, you know, even in those situations are lacking probably at times confidence. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's a belief of of how we see ourselves. Even as working mums, we'll often take the good enough job. Even as women, we'll feel that we need to have 80% of the the job criteria where men only yep. feel they have to have 20%. Yep. Obviously these are systemic beliefs that we have in ourselves that we've, you know, that have been told to us that, oh, mm-hmm. no, you've got to make sure you're good and blah, blah, blah. And it's mm-hmm. always the the female, you've got to be good and show everyone else how, you know, show the boys how to do it and things. Yep. What can we do and what are some hints and tips that very holistically that you use to even just even A, be aware that, this is a conscious, like subconscious, because sometimes we're not even aware of that it's yep, there. And absolutely, how can we manage and work through it? So, you know, we can be the mum that's on the water slide with our kids. Mm-hmm. So like you said, the, the absolute first step of anything, any transformation of anything is always awareness. And I don't say that lightly because you're not supposed to know all the information in your subconscious. You physically couldn't. It's It's far too much information. But when you go to do something and it's usually something that feels a little bit scary, like going for a promotion or going applying for a job, there's a huge amount of power in pausing and seeing, see if you can hear the stories coming up. So, oh, I really want to apply for, oh no, I couldn't possibly do that job. I don't have this degree or see if you can. And it's, you often won't necessarily get to that really core belief because the core belief for a lot of us, like this shocked me so much when I started my work was almost all of my sessions came back to self-worth, mm. which makes me equal parts devastated and furious. And it's it's very hard to, again, like walk around and be like, oh, I just don't feel super worthy today. Like that's, we don't do that. That's not a thing. But you will get some version of a story some kind of you're not experienced enough you're not qualified enough you won't be able to juggle that with the kids oh they're going to give it to so and so like there's always stories and so even yeah to see if you can take 30 seconds which i know mums are time poor but if you can (laughs) and just check the stories so there's the awareness piece and then what you want to do is so when you when you can hear the story and it does take some practice but the good thing is the more you do this the easier and more automatic it gets is to ask yourself is that true so if you get a story of oh i couldn't do that job i'm not qualified like if we go with that for example okay is that true like think about the actual like what you can know of the job is it true that you know for sure like you could not do that job because you're obviously looking at it for a reason and most of the time 
if you're, you know, it's a really serious job you're considering applying. Most of the time, if you say, is that true? First answer your mind will probably insist on is yes. So ask again, is that true, really true? And then how do I know? What evidence can you find that you're not qualified for that job, that you won't be able to do it, that you won't be able to juggle, that you won't be able to, you know, wouldn't even get an interview, like all of those stories, because 99 times out of 100, you will not be able to prove that. Because we're so cruel to ourselves, the story usually is something like, oh, I'm too stupid, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not thin enough, or I'm not, you know, X, Y, Z enough. There's always the story of enoughness underneath. You very, very rarely will be able to find actual evidence that that's true. Like, how many things have you actually failed at in your life? Very, very few actual failures, if any, because I don't really believe in failure. But yeah, those stories, they're fiction. And they're literally just your mind keeping you safe. So when you go to do something that feels scary, like a promotion or having a conversation with your boss about flexi time or a pay rise, or when you're putting boundaries in place or any of those things, your mind is very like communicating to you, this is not safe because it feels scary. But it's, it's not a saber toothed tiger. You're not going to lose your life when you ask for a pay rise, but your mind is terrified. So it's giving you all the stories to hold you back, to stop you. So just, yeah, hearing the story, is that true? Is that really true? How do I know? I've never come across someone that can prove they're stupid. It's not real. <laughs> like, that's not real. You can't. So when we look for that evidence, we'll very quickly see, oh, okay. It's okay that I feel scared and nervous about this, but it is not okay to hear that story and go, oh, that's a fact. I'm not qualified. I can't do it. I'm stupid. I'm da 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 <laughs> Yeah. All right, so we've done the awareness. What's the next step? So once you, I mean, there's, there's a huge amount of power in even just hearing the story and, yeah, and, and acknowledging it. it. Yeah. yeah, there's huge power in that for a lot of scenarios. And again, it, it feels a bit hard and clunky at first, but the more you do it, I mean, my, I do this automatically now. I don't think about it. And yes, it is my work, so I talk about it a lot, but you really can get your mind to a place where it will it learns that this is what you do, so it doesn't bother with the stories. I mean, it will find other stories to give you, but in those scenarios. So even challenging that will massively boost your belief in yourself to at least take a step and that's what we need because confidence is not a destination you don't get to confidence and then go cool i'm confident now tick done that's not real and we think oh i've got to i've got to find a way to find confidence and then i'll apply for that job yeah no you have to apply for the job to build your confidence confidence needs evidence and evidence needs action so we have to get over the story to take the action. And again, in that scenario, you know, one could be cool, you get shortlisted. Awesome. Again, you're going to have new stories or the same ones. You want to be checking them. But if you, if you don't get shortlisted, that is not evidence. That's not evidence. You don't know why you didn't get shortlisted. There could have been 2 million applicants, probably not 2 million, but 
it's not evidence that that doesn't work. So it's very important what you let your mind file as evidence. There's hundreds of things that could be. So again, if you do that, oh, I, I, you know, I didn't get shortlisted. I must suck. It's like, okay, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Are you a sucky human being? No. <laughs> Where's your evidence? Oh, you can't find any because you don't suck. So yeah. very quickly you see how, and that's what we need. We need to be able to take more action. It's, it's okay to feel scared. It's normal to feel scared, but we have to take action. And that applies to anything like, you know, using the job thing, but pay rise, boundaries, difficult conversations with partners, children, all of those things. We want to be having them with as much with our authentic self and not with our stories or, you know, God forbid our parents' stories. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say like yeah. the most, like <laughs> if I'm going to get something done, I'm really, I'm like, don't overthink it, just do. And that's often I've had best results of when I'm just like, oh, I've got an idea, just start going for it within reason. Yep but not actually yes. overthinking it. And and that was even like starting this podcast. I was like, oh, I said to my husband, I might start a podcast. And he's like, okay, you know, <laughs> here you go. Another random idea from Garina, but he's like, okay, go for it. And and I was kind of like just deep dived and did it. If I'd overthought about it, overanalyze it, I'd probably be still here three and a half years later still thinking about it. But sometimes it's just like the Nike saying, just do it. Yeah, and it's... It's, and you know, there's another one, it's such a cliche, but I really love it is that feel the fear and do it anyway. And I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do, but you don't need to overcome fear. That's not a real thing either. Like it's okay to feel the fear. Don't let it be the full stop. Like it, it's totally normal. In fact, I'd be very concerned about you if you weren't fearful of doing things that feel big or stretchy or scary, like that would be strange. And I've seen behind the scenes of many a successful entrepreneur and trust me, they all feel, they all feel that fear, but it's the ones that can, okay, take the fear along for the road trip, but don't let them drive. We, we need to be okay with feeling that fear, mm. you know, as much as we can and be kind to ourselves as well. So we've told ourselves the stories and recognized, no, we're not going to listen to that fear and, and fear is not going to be the full stop. Mm-hmm. What can we then do to flip the mindset? So of actually like consciously changing those stories. So rather than going, oh, no, I don't have most of the skills. Okay, yes, I do. Yep, and here's the evidence. Mm-hmm. What then can we do to, I guess, reprogram it? Or And even if we if we catch ourselves mm-hmm. and then go, no, stories, be quiet, but mm-hmm. I'm going to flip it or I'm going to do something to try and change our mindset. So it's going from that fear in turn, then instead growing in that confidence. So that, that will do it. That's the thing. So people change at different rates, but the stages, so you want to change your belief by having the awareness and the acceptance. So that is like, okay, here's my story. Okay. I get that that's a story and it's not true. It's just a story. And from there you want to upgrade it. So that's what you do by going, okay, I'm being telling myself a story that I'm not good enough. Okay, story, going to put you on pause, see you there, be quiet, <laughs> going to apply anyway. And you'll do one of two things. So it depends on the scenario. And again, it's about having that consciousness of whatever the outcome of, if it's a job application, if it's a difficult conversation, if it's a pay rise, whatever it is, the outcome is not the success. Right? You've got to determine success in a multitude of ways. And by applying for the job, 
you're building a different story. So each little piece that you do that's a contradiction to your story will start to create a new, I won't be too technical, but it starts to create a new neural pathway in your brain. And real, like the easy part comes when we've laid that track enough times. It's like a bushwalk. When you've walked the bushwalk or the bush path enough times that it becomes more familiar to your brain than the old one that becomes your new default. And so depending on how deeply ingrained your belief is will depend on the time. And sometimes we think, you know, we want to transform 30 something years of one bush track and we think two things will lay the other pathway. And that's unfortunately not the case. So it's having the mindfulness of the awareness of the stories. And once you do, and you start to do something to challenge it, and it's like, you make the job application. That's a, that's a massive win. If you looked at a job and your immediate reaction was, oh no, I'm not qualified. And you applied anyway. That's, that's amazing. That's an awesome piece of evidence for your evidence file. Maybe you'll get an interview. That's another piece of evidence. So be selective in what you're using as evidence and to challenge the stories. And the great thing is that you know, we're using the job application as an example, but that will continue to be used as evidence in other areas. So it just depends on the conditioning. Like for example, body stuff, that conditioning is so deeply ingrained and it comes from so many avenues from such a young age that in my experience, it's one of the hardest things to permanently shift because you're constantly getting messages that go against what we want to be setting and feeling. So, mm. I mean, you definitely can transform it, but again, that action. So like with my client, I was talking about with going on the water slides, that became such a huge piece of evidence in her evidence file that sometimes she will still have thing, you know, go back to the old belief or, or temporarily flick over there. But her mind is much more used to now going, oh, no, no, that's not how we think now. We're, we go over here. This is how we work. So taking the action is what builds the evidence. And eventually, because your mind likes the path of least resistance and it likes what's familiar. So when something becomes familiar to your mind, it's like, oh, cool. This is what we do now. Yeah. And so it's taking the action that the magic is in. Yeah. And it's also like when you, you know, as a working mum, there's so much that's built in around, oh, you're a mum, you should. And I always say should oh, in inverted commas. I hate the hate word it. should. It's like hate a swear it. word. Yep. And, and it's like, yeah, you, you know, you should be doing this. And right, you, you know, even I've increased my work days from three to four days this year. And someone actually said to me, oh, I'm sorry. And, and why are you doing that? And I was made to do it. But weirdly, it's because also what we're made to feel like as a working mum. And so I've been quite mm-hmm. conscious of, and that's part of the reason why I started working mum, was to try and find those stories. And I guess from yeah. you, it's, it's taking those evidence mm-hmm. of women that are actually doing it and, and trying to raise it up, but also find that community as well to, I very much to your point, is like the whole backbone of, of working mama is about that evidence file of actually saying, yes, it can be done. Yes, you know, challenging what sometimes is out there of, oh, it's too hard and managing the juggle and not everyone Mm -hmm. can do it. And that's what I'm very much about is like, no, let's challenge it. Even the mental load at home, let's challenge it. 
if it's challenge not working, everything. Challenge, challenge everything. everything. Because again, like this comes up a lot where you could look at someone or someone saying to you like, oh, it's going to be so hard. Oh God, yes. and you're going to miss adult conversation or whatever. That is their conditioning. Like drop your force field and bounce it back to them. <laughs> challenge that. everything. You don't have to challenge it out loud to them. It's fine. You don't have to challenge it to them. You can choose to if you want, but just literally say to yourself, mm, not for me. No, thanks. Not for me. I'm choosing different. Like it's, if almost everything is made up and came from somewhere and it's like with money stories, right? Like people will look to others, what they're doing financially. And it's like, if you, yeah, if you either aspire to that or you're blocked by that, like you don't know what all their money stories are. So if you do what they're doing or you want what they have, or in, and that's totally, I'm down for it, but make sure it's authentic for you. I see that in business a lot. I work with a lot of women and they start their own business because they want more freedom. <laughs> I think right? you always get less if you, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, at best, you get some flexibility. It's, yeah. it's not freedom. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it's that thing of, you know, I'll, I'll work with a lot of women. They'll be like, oh, yeah, like I started my business because I really want to be able to pick my kids up from school. And it's like, oh, amazing. And then the next thing will be like, yeah, so like I, I stop I stop at 2.30 and I go get the girls from school and then I come back to my desk after they've gone to bed and I work for three hours to make up the time. And I'm like, okay, if you want to do that, cool. But is that a thing you actually want to do or is that a corporate hangover because you think you should do that? Like I'm like you, I hate the word should and there's very little I'll even say I hate, but that word that word is a great clue. If you ever feeling or thinking that you should do something, just take a pause and go, why? Or whose voice? Whose voice is telling you that you should be doing something? But yeah. honestly, I'm such a questioner and a rebel, like I will challenge pretty much anything. Yeah, but I think it's so good. And I think, you know, as this podcast is about working and supporting working mums, and I hope when you're listening to this, that you actually feel empowered to challenge something, challenge a belief, challenge something that, and don't be afraid. Know that there's a whole community behind you, but also use this as a way to go, oh no, I might flick the switch. But also if it, if those thoughts come out and even this week, I've been talking a little bit more about boundaries and, and boundary setting as well is a massive mindset shift because Absolutely. we 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 either choose to let people in or not. We choose to blur our lines. And I had a situation last year at work where everything was blurred. It was had kids screaming, work calls, trying to get emails mm-hmm. out. It was just not good. But it was why? Because I'd mentally let everything all come into the one space. And it was a shambles for everyone and, and that, which I've then taken steps. But consciously I realized in my mindset, I've got to change this because it's unsustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I, that's why I'd always say like, one thing is it's okay to feel afraid in anything that feels scary. Like, as you said, you've got this beautiful community. It's okay to feel afraid. Just don't let it be the full stop. So it's okay to doubt yourself. Everybody does it like everybody. And I'm talking like I have seen behind the scenes of very, very successful entrepreneurs. They doubt themselves all the time. Everybody does. I don't know people that don't doubt themselves. It's it's the don't let that stop you. Let, you let it pause you. That's totally fine. You it, you don't have to smash through it all the time. But as, just 
pause and consider, oh, is this true? Is this serving me? Is this what I want for my life? And yeah, boundaries are really difficult, especially holding them. Making mm. them's a little easier. Holding them, you know, is, is definitely trickier. But that's the thing, like where we get a lot of our suffering is we attach a meaning to something. So what, you know, especially we have so much good girl conditioning and when we set a boundary, what our mind does with that is, oh, people will think I'm a, I won't swear, but people will think I'm not a nice person. <laughs> yeah. Basically just, you know, and that's the thing. It's not about, oh, yeah, I, I want to be there with my kids, but I can't. I mean, that's what we tell ourselves, but it's like, it's what will someone think of me if I don't meet their needs? Yeah. That's the understory. And now, again, we don't talk like that. We don't think that. It's not like oh, Karina, I really want to do this, but I'm so worried that people won't like me. We don't talk like that, but that's what your mind is doing. It's like, oh, you can't, you can't turn that down. You'll never get another opportunity or you can't have a boundary about that because, yeah, then you won't be promoted or like we make these meanings. Our mind makes these meanings. Again, where's the evidence? Yeah. Like, who says? Who says any of that? Like, no, no, just this is just just a boundary. This is important to me. This is what I'm doing. It doesn't have to have any other meanings attached to it. Because again, that's based on nothing. Unless someone actually says to you, oh, well, I don't like you now. You've got this boundary. Well, that probably don't need to be in your life then, let's yeah. be honest. Like, <laughs> very, very probably, not, probably not a great person. <laughs> and so as women, I know that we can sometimes, I know you don't like using the word trauma, but we can talk about yeah. intergenerational trauma. What yeah. is it? And how can we recognize it? Because I know it's something you talk about. And I own it. Like when you, when we started first chatting about this, I was like, I've got no idea. I put it up on my story. Someone said, that's really interesting. What is it? Because I know it also relates back into some of our mindset and our beliefs as well. Yeah. So it is similar to like what we were talking about, but it's just, I'm not anti-trauma. I'm very trauma informed. It comes into a lot of my work, but it's just, it's not really a conversation. Lots of people love to talk about, but it, it's just that. So, you know, there's, there's different types of trauma. There's big trauma, like it's called big T trauma and little T trauma. And it's like trauma creates really strong emotion, which strong emotion is a pathway to the evidence file, basically. So when something happens and it, it can happen both in your previous generations, like we get beliefs and get things handed down to us. So like I was saying about how many of us have a memory of our mum, you know, standing in the mirror talking about her body or talking about dessert or all of these things that there's conditioning that gets passed from generation to generation. And it's not our fault. I'm very big on that. It's not our fault. Our conditioning's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to stop it. So like with my client, I was talking about like she broke that that's intergenerational it's it's little t trauma but like criticizing and hating your body that's pretty awful mm. and something that unfortunately most women can resonate with at some stage and so that probably got passed down passed down passed down and sh she's taken huge steps to break that and not pass that on to her daughters so it's that concept of like everyone get you know each generation gets different conditioning and different trauma and different beliefs but it's about yeah being mindful of 
our stories and our parents' stories. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, it comes further down, but that's the thing. It's like having the self-compassion for yourself, of course, then having compassion, like if your parents trigger you or your parents have passed on things, we all pass on things to our children and we all received things from our parents. Mm. That's that's how it works with humans. Yeah. And, yeah, like I see it as our responsibility to try and limit as much as possible what we pass on to our children because if we heal it in ourselves, we don't pass it on and then they don't pass it on. So it can come from anything and it, it, it's not just – yeah, it's not just big trauma. Like, you know, there's heaps of information and research about it from things like the Holocaust and that that those, like, triggers and things can be passed down. I mean, some people who do – so I'm a rapid transformation therapist and some people who do RTT, they do, like, past life regressions and go back to, like, past lives and all that. And, yeah, some people believe in it, some people don't. But all those, yeah, sorts of different things can create – different emotional memories and yeah so it's it's just different beliefs but it's the beliefs that might be passed down like if your mum believes something really strongly then she'll probably talk about it won't necessarily know that it's not true then we take it as a fact then that's often how we parent so you know how often you'll see people parent either very similar to their parents or polar opposite to their parents is often how you know and of course if there's two parents involved the style does change because, you know, but yeah, you'll often see things about, oh, I do like, I hear myself say things, not, you know, I don't have children, but in that sense of like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound like my mother. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> because that's our, that's our pattern, right? So I think, yeah, it's really about the, like, when this stuff feels hard, the challenging, the thoughts and the stories to know that that's a pretty epic parenting win if you can transform something and choose not to pass it on, you know, to the to the next generation with the self compassion of knowing you'll definitely pass some things on. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's you just, just gotta, how life works. You got to accept it that it's going to be something. And it's just being, I guess, conscious, and it just, I guess, it's that awareness as well about the impacts and the stories and and things like that. So it's also probably even you know chatting with your partner about it. You know, it sometimes can be hard conversation, and I know that I definitely Absolutely. have some hard conversations. My husband was parented slightly different to me. It was probably a bit more disciplined than when I was, mm-hmm. and. So he gets triggered by some things a lot quicker than what I yep. do and and just trying to be conscious around some activities and mm-hmm. and that and so but I'm because I'm very conscious I'm like no I don't want that to then pass on and and that but it but it's really at times sometimes emotionally draining as well. Yeah. It really you've got is. To, you've got to hold on to it and just know that you're not alone but it's okay and you're going to be okay. And you, you don't have to do it all the time. Like if you're working on something specific, working on transforming it and you do it how you would like to do it you know five times out of ten that's still transformation like you you don't have to get it perfect every time and you'll never get it perfect every time no such thing but every time you do something like challenging that belief system you're transforming for yourself and for your children i don't know have you come across dr becky kennedy before no she's she's a i hate this term and i don't even think she likes this term but she's a 
so-called parenting expert, but she's amazing. She, she does very similar work than that I do, but she does it with parents. So I help often help women reparent themselves, reparent their little self. And she works really like works with children. And I would really, really, really recommend her work. She's absolutely amazing. She, she has a book called good inside. And basically the premise of her work very much like what I do is that she starts from the assumption that every single kid is good inside. And that's the thing like that, that really feeds into our worth story, right? It's like, Mm. you're not a bad kid. You're a good kid misbehaving, but she's very, very anti-shame. She does not shame parents. She talks about her own so-called fails all the time. And that's why I really love her because I'm not here for anybody who's going to shame people for doing things, you know, differently. But yeah, if, if people are interested, she's, she's got a podcast, she's got a book and she's got a whole, like, like she, she's got quite a lot of followers on Instagram. Yeah. She's quite well known, but I really, I really love her work. It's yeah. I send pretty much every, every mama that I work with because that, yeah, she, she, she has a really good practical solutions but also like yeah it explains what we might just happen to call bad behavior Mm. but yeah it's i think she's really amazing because she doesn't doesn't shame and doesn't try and act like she does it all perfectly because we know that's not true but if she's a parenting expert and she doesn't get it all right then you have to not expect that of yourself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. In so many ways, that's awesome. So is there anything else that we've missed in terms of like with mindsets and, and beliefs of managing these in a day-to-day environment? I think the thing is like one thing that I do find is a really good tool. I mean, there's so much power in just pausing. Whenever, whenever you can notice something or even notice a feeling to just give yourself a pause and it can be a short pause but that even gives you a second to think and this is very helpful with relationship like all kinds of relationships but can give you a second to think you know is this whatever information I'm getting is this real or is this somebody else's conditioning and that can be really helpful the other thing I really like is having a happy list and these are like I, I say make the list because in the moment when you need it, you will not want to think of things, but it's like tiny little mood shifters. And again, that can, it can be helpful when you, when you need the pause. So for me, it's always music. So if I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with managing my emotions and my mind and things now, but if I feel any kind of way and I want to shift it quickly, like I don't want to, you don't always have to examine this stuff either. Like, sometimes you don't have time so even if you can do something to shift it or pause the conditioning response or pause the story music is something that will often do that it definitely always does it for me is like i i put on music that i love there's no yeah like that kind of hits pause on the story so using like little little tools to help you especially while the stuff feels it feels like really hard work yeah. and it's not always hard work, but it's like, eh, parents have already got so much to do, but yeah. this stuff is, it's really, it's really worth it. And it will, it will make things feel a lot better 
longer term. term. Yeah, short-term pain for long-term gain of not only how probably you view yourself, how you view your situation, but then also then longer term, the influence that this is having on your children. Because as I know, I often say that, you know, mums are the heartbeat of the family. And if your heart's beating happy and you're feeling confident in yourself and you've got a good mindset, you've got strong beliefs on on who you are and, you know, and you can also then in a positive way put these onto your kids, that is no doubt going to be some of the biggest influence that you can be into your kids and you being that positive role model for them is going to yeah. set them up for success. Exactly. And it, like really all this work is is your relationship with yourself and I think there's no more important relationship including the one with your kids because the relationship you have with yourself massively impacts all of the relationships you have with every other person bosses partners children your parents (laughs) all this kind of stuff and yeah it's really it, it isn't easy but it is incredibly nourishing and it is very very worth it any tiny little thing you do even if you challenge one thought for yourself it's the start of unraveling some of those threads and it yeah can have massive massive impact yeah it's like that little pond into the sorry that stone has been thrown into the pond yeah and the ripple effect that then that has you know can be huge if it's just you the challenge out of this and let us know how you go with it but if you just change one thought or one belief so don't think you need to change everything but if you just do one (laughs) thought change as a result out of this it might be I can't be a working mom or I can't leave, like take my kids to childcare or I can't do the the meal planning for the week. Change the thought of, okay, can my husband do it? Can someone else do it? Why do I feel that way? Why do I feel I need to change, do everything at the house? You know, mm-hmm. you don't. You challenge the thought, ask for help or do something just to try and I, that's the challenge we've got for you from this. Change one thing. Yeah. Challenge, challenge one thing. Yeah. Don't even worry about changing a belief pick a thought, pick a recurring thought. Like everyone has so many recurring thoughts. What, you know, what, like something will come to mind for you highly likely when you're listening to this, something that causes you some kind of suffering, even if you don't change it yet, challenge it, at least challenge it and feel free to DM me on Insta if you find evidence to that story, but betcha you won't because it yeah. won't be true. So yeah, it's, it is it's really worth it and to be honest like it is quite fun it is quite fun to be able to rebel against some of those bs stories except you're just going to start realizing how much bs there is yeah that's probably the flip side (laughs) now aj what do you do for self-care music is a massive one for me like i just mentioned it's the yeah, it's the the biggest piece. I love I love journaling. So journaling is a massive tool that I use a lot. I have two fur babies, so they bring me a lot of joy. I'm very conscious of spending like just little moments in between. Like they're both quite affectionate, so they're very good breaks from the screen and things for me in my workday. And just yeah, for me, I really love connecting with like minded people. Like we're in a community together you and I and just yeah to be able to have like deeper conversations with people is really nourishing for me so those are like more achievable things and then I do love things like you know facials and 
getting my nails done and those sorts of things too. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of having lots of different things. And for me, music is always accessible. So that's my favorite kind of go-to that I'll always, you know, I always have music that I love. And that's, that's my favorite form of self-care. <laughs> Sensational. So AJ, where can people find out more about you and connect with you, as you said just before, on Instagram? Yes, and this is my platform of choice. I am, I'm on LinkedIn, but can't say I'm really <laughs> a bit of a lurker there. So my handle on Insta is at changeyourthoughts underscore au, and yeah, you usually come up pretty quickly, so probably find me. But yeah, like that's my my platform of choice, and I am very very happy to answer any questions about this. If it's you know, I know I probably did throw quite a lot of information at you just then, but. Yeah, if if you can't tell, this is probably my favorite subject to talk about and I could do it all day long. So if anyone does have any questions or does want to tell me about their thoughts and beliefs that they're challenging, I'm always very happy to hear that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, AJ, for this podcast. I think just before we got on, I said, I actually don't know much about, particularly around intergenerational trauma, but mindset is certainly a topic that I know we probably underrate and we don't talk yep, about absolutely. enough of about how to how to switch our mindset, how to challenge those those societal norms that we often get faced with, particularly as women and, and then also working mums. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for for walking us through and actually showing that it's not super, super complicated, but really, as you said, taking 30 seconds to pause and listen to those stories that we're being told. And to start, you know, really challenging some of those those beliefs and, and don't be afraid of it. So definitely if you're challenging it and you're having some success, love for you to reach out to AJ. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. And, yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. It's definitely filled my cup for this Friday afternoon. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Karina. Me too. I've loved chatting to you about it. And, yeah, definitely anyone has any questions, feel free to hit me up. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.